What is up guys, it is Quinn here back with another video and today I'm going to be going through some mid-round running back targets. So I'm kind of thinking mid-round like rounds four through eight, kind of in that range. Typically this is thought of as like the RB dead zone and I do think on a lot of platforms there is kind of this dead zone here, but I still think there are a few values and you kind of just have to figure out what types of players you're going after. Like for example, you typically want to avoid more of like the veteran running backs who you're kind of just drafting as floor plays. Those are the guys that are typically busting in this range. So I'm going to be going after some younger guys, players in like kind of unproven situations. But before we get into it, if you guys have been watching my videos, you know that I typically reference underdog, you know, for my ADP. Over the last few days, I've been doing some, you know, free mock drafts on ESPN, Sleeper, Yahoo. And I did notice their ADP is pretty significantly different. And, you know, since there's a lot of mix, you know, in terms of like, what types of players, how serious you are watching these videos. I'm using a website uh, called 4 for 4, and it basically like combines all these ADPs. So it takes the ADP from a bunch of different sites, platforms, puts it all together. So that is the ADP that I will be using. I think it's, you know, just a better kind of alternative here and just gives you a better idea of like a balance between a bunch of leagues. And before I get into the first player, I just want to talk about how RB heavy some of these other leagues are. More casual platforms like ESPN. I guess Sleeper's not casual, but I noticed the same thing. Yahoo, the value of running backs gets pushed up so high. So I feel like if you go through like round one, two, middle of round three, the RB value is pretty normal. But instead of shifting over to like wide receiver heavy in rounds four, five, six, a lot of these ADPs, drafters just continue to pound these running backs. So you have guys like Cam Akers, David Montgomery, going in the third round, according to this 4 for 4 ADP, players like Dobbins and Gibson going at the 4-5 turn, and then some of these other like iffy options, Miles Sanders, CEH, Damian Harris, Devin Singletary, like all of their ADP is getting pushed up also. So it is going to be very important to, you know, pick out which mid-round targets you want, because typically, you know, it's this dead zone area. You want to kind of avoid the landmines, the players that are just going to blow up and not give you any value. Because I do think there are some options here with some really serious upside. So enough of me talking, you know, pre-video. Let's jump into the first must-draft player. And it is going to be Travis Etienne. So right now he's going off the board as the RB19, like a late fourth round pick. I'm going to be taking shots on some young upside running backs. Because we straight up just don't know how good they are in the NFL. And we also just don't know what their role is going to be like on their team. So for Travis Etienne, we know he's a super strong college prospect was a first round pick, ended up missing the entire 2021 season. You know, all reports are positive that he should be back for week one. And you know, if James Robinson was heavy in the picture, I likely would be a little bit off of Travis Etienne, but James Robinson is coming off of a torn Achilles. I feel like people are really undervaluing, you know, like how tough it is to come back from that injury. Cam Akers came back in record time. That was crazy impressive. That is not the, you know, the ordinary but also like Cam Akers did not look good when he was back. We don't know if Cam Akers is going to be back to 100%, 95%. We don't know the same thing about James Robinson. And if we're just looking at this Jaguars roster, you have James Robinson, one year left on his deal. You have Travis Etienne for at least three, you know, if they pick up the fifth year option, four more years. In my opinion, it just makes sense for them to give Travis Etienne his shot. If James Robinson is working his way back early in the season, like we could see a few weeks of Travis Etienne as the guy. I feel like he can carve out the workhorse role, 
We know he has really solid, like three down potential. He can be an early down back. You know, he can hang in there on the goal line, but he also has that elite receiving upside. I think it's very possible he gets some work out of the slot. That'd be very, very solid for him for fantasy. This is a Jaguars team that's not stacked with weapons. You know, you have a wide receiver core, Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, a lot of these kind of like all right options. You know, they're not huge needle movers, but Travis Etienne is potentially the biggest playmaker on this offense. So I think they're going to want to get the ball into his hands. If he can get some volume going, I think he can be a steal here at the RB19. Plus, he has that connection to Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, they played together at uh, Clemson. So I really like Travis Etienne here late in the fourth round. You know, I feel like even if he's in like a mini timeshare with Robinson, he can still finish as like a back-end RB2. But if he's getting RB1 touches on that offense, it doesn't have to be a super high-scoring unit. He can get points in the receiving game. He can get volume on the ground. I think ETN definitely has like top 10 RB potential if the workload is right. And now moving over to the second running back, we're sticking with like this young, you know, this guy's a rookie. It is Brees Hall sticking in this like younger age range, shooting for that upside. So he's basically going right after Travis ETN as the RB 20 at the four five turn. And if you guys have been watching my videos, you know, I am a big fan of Brees Hall. I'm not really buying into this like Jets committee. He's going to be splitting touches with Michael Carter. I think early on in the season, like there could be some sort of split here. I'm not saying, you know, Brees Hall is going to be like 90% of the touches from day one. They could let him work his way in. But in my opinion, like the better argument is the Jets want to use a committee. The argument that I just straight up do not agree with is that Michael Carter is a better receiving back than Brees Hall and he is going to take away touches. If Brees Hall is not the workhorse, it is because the Jets do not want to use a workhorse running back. You know, Michael Carter's this guy who's been kind of pushed up as this really strong receiving back. He had 55 targets last year. 23 of them came in two games with Mike White as the quarterback. Brees Hall caught 36 passes in his last college season. Brees Hall is a strong, strong pass catcher. I feel like if you're looking at this running back room, Brees Hall is really just superior in every single category. It really doesn't make sense to me for the Jets to trade up to draft Brees Hall. They jumped the Texans because the Texans were kind of in that range to draft Hall. They jumped the Texans. They're spending really solid draft capital on Brees Hall. I don't think you do all of that to just throw him into a committee with Michael Carter. I think it's more than likely that he is going to be the workhorse. It may take him a few weeks. This could be like a thing where he's a you know, top 24 running back through eight weeks, then back half of the season, he just turns it on. They give him the touches. I also think this Jets offense, like, could be one of these younger offenses that has a boom. It is possible they're like a year or two away. But I mean, if Zach Wilson takes a jump, you're looking at this team. The offensive line is very solid. I think they have a lot of upside, that unit. You're looking at the wide receivers, Elijah Moore. You have Garrett Wilson. You know, Corey Davis is still there. Like, this could be a very decent offense. And if you're talking about a guy like Brees Hall who could have a workhorse role on a potentially solid offense, I just feel like this RB20 price is way more towards his floor. Like, I can't really see him finishing much lower than this just because I'm so bought into the talent. Like, this is a guy over the last two years of his college career had 3,526 yards from scrimmage and 46 total touchdowns. Like, Brees Hall is a monster. And I think he is a fantastic pick. And if you're picking like round four, round five, instead of going after a guy like Antonio Gibson 
or J.K. Dobbins, you know, who really is like a low upside play, go take a swing on a guy like Brees Hall, who I think can be like a top 10 running back as a rookie. And now moving on to the third and final mid-round running back. I talked about how the options aren't great, so I'm not going to be going through like a million guys because I really don't think there's a ton of solid options here. In this, you know, like four, five, six, seven, eight range, I'd much rather be taking values at wide receiver, potentially tight ends, guys like Kittle, Waller, maybe even, you know, a guy like Schultz, and then looking at like the quarterback position instead of forcing running backs. But one player who I think is very interesting here is Tony Pollard. He's going off the board as the RB31 in eighth round pick. And I feel like Pollard is a guy who can slot in as like your RB3. He could be a guy who's like, if you're going zero RB, hero RB, you know, one of these draft strategies, he could be like your number two. But I think, you know, in a standard build, you want him as your RB3. You probably don't want to have to rely on him in the flex, but I think he does have that potential. And I just think in this 2022 season, I feel like his floor is very, very close to what he did last season. So last year, he averaged 10.4 PPR points per game, averaged 8.7 carries per game, and then 3.1 targets. The thing is, I actually think Zeke and Pollard are really solid values at price. I think they're both going to do different things. But here with Tony Pollard, like Zeke has the contract where he's going to be the number one. But I mean, Pollard, when he is on the field, when he gets touches, the man just produces. Just going to run through a few of his stats here. These are all basically like per touch, per route run, per carry. But he was very, very efficient with the ball. So he was number one in yards per route run. These, this is for running backs, by the way. Number three in catch rate, number five in true yards per carry, number two in yards per touch, number five in juke rate, number three in breakaway run rate, and the number six in yards created per touch. That is top, top tier efficiency. If you're looking at this Cowboys offense, they lost Amari Cooper. So CeeDee Lamb's now going to bump up to that wide receiver one. They have Michael Gallup coming off of an ACL. So this is a situation where I think Pollard can take a step up in this offense. They're going to be using two running backs, not necessarily at the same time, but I think both these guys are going to be very, very involved. And I also think Pollard could see some opportunities out of the slot. That would really be huge from him because if you're looking at like this wide receiver setup, I mentioned CD as the number one. When Gallup comes back, he's the number two. When is he going to come back? We're not exactly sure. So even with Gallup back, I still think you could make an argument that Pollard would be the slot guy there. You clearly want to get the ball into his hands. He's competing with guys like Jalen Tolbert, you know, James Washington. Tolbert could be okay. We just don't know. James Washington has never been more than like a maybe at best wide receiver three, wide receiver four, just kind of one of these. You know, he's a decent real life NFL player. He's not going to do much for fantasy. So I think Pollard could get some reps there. And then you have this just elite upside if Ezekiel Elliott goes down. Because if Zeke goes down, Pollard is stepping into that role. This man could be the workhorse. And I think, you know, you can make the argument that Pollard is just a straight up better player than Zeke. So you're giving him all those touches. I do think Pollard could be like a top five fantasy running back if Zeke goes down. And, I, you know, I'm not like wishing injury or anything. This is obviously just talking like potential outcomes. But Zeke is a guy who's had a lot of wear and tear on his body kind of likely on the down end, you know, his efficiency has kind of taken a hit. So Pollard really, I think, could be a league winner. But he's somewhere here where in the eighth round, I still don't think he's a bad pick. You know, it's not like he needs a Zeke injury to be a solid pick. I think he can be a flex option. 
if you're going wide receiver heavy, tight end, QB heavy, I think he could be an RB2 if you really need him to. So those are going to be like my three mid-round picks. Typically going to be avoiding the running backs in this range, but I think there are a few options here. You saw I went with some of the younger guys, ETN, Brees Hall, haven't seen them in their offenses. Tony Pollard, you know, a younger-ish, but also someone who has a, like an ambiguous role. We don't know what kind of split this is going to be, but also has that elite upside. So ETN, Hall, and Pollard, those are going to be the guys. Let me know what you guys think about those targets down below in the comment section. I'll make sure to respond to everyone. I'll be going through, I believe, my uh, mid-round wide receivers tomorrow. That video may be more stacked because I think there are a lot of really solid values there. But thank you all for stopping by. If you enjoyed, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And I'll see you guys in the next one.